Good morning and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna. Hello, good morning and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by AMS Media. As ever, I am your host, Harry Simiou. And on today's edition, we're going to be talking about the links with Joe Hart. We're going to be talking about how Matteo Genduzzi escaped punishment after that incident at Brighton at the weekend. And we're also going to be looking ahead to the upcoming fixture against Southampton at St Mary's on Thursday evening. Uh, let's start off by talking uh, about the Joe Hart incident, you know, uh, Joe Hart incident, Joe Hart links. That's how bad I feel about it. That I feel like it's an incident. Um, Joe Hart to Arsenal. I mean, come on. I mean, look, we're in a, a bit of a sticky situation now in, in terms of our goalkeeper. And it was something that I said on the, the last episode was that the problem with Bernardino's injury was a far bigger one than the fact that we lost at Brighton. We've lost our number one goalkeeper. We've already got what we believe is going to be a, a really limited transfer budget this summer. And the chances are now that it's going to have to stretch even further because we're going to need to bring in a goalkeeper if indeed uh, we get the confirmation that Bern Leno is going to be out for a, a sufficient amount of time. I think we all think that is the case, um, even if we haven't had it 100% confirmed yet. So, we're going to inevitably be linked with some goalkeepers now. I'm sure it's something that Mikel Arteta will be looking at. I think with Emi Martinez, when you look at him, you know, he's had decent enough games when he's come in, but he's never really moved on in his career. He's always sort of been that goalkeeper that goes out on loan, that comes back, spends some time on the bench, gets the odd cup game here and there. But is he good enough to be in between the sticks for Arsenal for a sustained period of time? And the answer for me has got to be no. Um, I think that Arsenal will need to go out and get another goalkeeper. And I think in truth, if we're being really, really honest with ourselves, we needed another goalkeeper anyway, because beyond Bern Leno, the gap in quality between the two was massive. And I know Petr Cech retired, but at least you had Bern Leno and you had Petr Cech there, but you knew that... Petr Cech was experienced. He had been brilliant in days gone by and he had that ability to step into the role. Not always successfully, um, admittedly. You know, he, he got to the back end of his career and his level of performance has dropped off. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But you still would have had more faith, wouldn't you, in a, a seasoned, experienced goalkeeper stepping in than you would in Emi Martinez. I don't think he's capable, personally, of playing over a sustained period of time. Now, he will get the opportunity now. He'll be given till the end of the season to play. And this is almost an addition. Uh, uh, addition. Can't even speak this morning. It's an audition um, for Emi Martinez to stake his claim and show Mikel Arteta that he is indeed good enough uh, to be given, uh, you know, more opportunities and to to be given the opportunity to cover for Bern Leno whilst he recovers from this horrible, unfortunate injury. But I think in your heart of hearts, if you if you look deeply and you think about this logically and you take off the, you know, yeah, he's been at the club for ages, he deserves a chance now thing off of your heads, put that hat to the side and look at what he actually brings to the table as a goalkeeper. I think most people will agree that we do need to go out there and get another one. Now, one of the players that is being heavily linked 
with a move to Arsenal is, of course, this man, Joe Hart. Uh, former Manchester City goalkeeper, had some time at West Ham. Former England goalkeeper as well, to be fair to him. He's very experienced. There's no question about that. But um, Joe Hart has not had a look in uh, for a while, in truth. He's been at Burnley, um, you know, since... Um, since August uh, 2018, where he joined the club uh, on a uh, transfer from Manchester City, £3.5 million pounds, uh, was the reported fee. But since he's gone there, he's he's not had a look in whatsoever. And, you know, yes, he was a decent goalkeeper at one time, 75 caps for England, etc., etc. But he's played just 24 times for Burnley. And that's got to ring alarm bells, Um you know, if you're Mikel Arteta now looking at him, you know, he's not a spring chicken anymore, 33 years old. But the biggest concern for me, and, and I know that, you know, this is something that we're looking at maybe to just plug a hole for a short period of time um, because his contract, of course, is due uh, to expire at Burnley. It is just, it feels like this would be very similar to some of the things we've done in the past. And, you know, I say his contract expires, he expires at the end of the month, um, which would make him available almost immediately. But when you look at Joe Hart's career, it's literally gone like that. It has gone on a downward spiral for, for quite some time. And as I said, once a decent goalkeeper, but no longer in my opinion. And when are Arsenal going to learn their lesson about bringing in experienced players to plug holes who are way past their sell-by date, but are still going to demand really high wages. I'm not saying that Arsenal are necessarily going to pay Joe Hart that money, but Joe Hart will no doubt, with all his experience and, and at the point he is in his career, he will demand a sufficient chunk. And given Arsenal's finances are what they are, I just don't think this is a worthwhile investment. I think if we're going to invest in a goalkeeper, get somebody who we can look at for the longer term, who can provide backup to Bern Leno over a sustained period of time, who can play in the cup competitions, who is capable, maybe somebody young who's a prospect and somebody who we hope to nurture and, and can flourish as the Arsenal goalkeeper. Just not Joe Hart. It, it just, to me, it it stinks of some of the transfers that we've done in the past, the David Lewis's and, and all that stuff, you know, the Mikhail Silvestres and those kind of transfers where we were desperate. We bought someone in at the, in the twilight of their career just because we were in need and it didn't work out. We ended up paying them a fortune and before you know it, they're out the door again. So I just I just can't see it. Joe Hart hasn't been the goalkeeper he was for, for quite some time now. Um, the only thing he's good for now is is dandruff adverts and, and that's about it. It is, it would be a nonsensical transfer in my opinion it would make no sense um it would be of no benefit really to arsenal i don't think joe hart is this might be a controversial statement but joe hart at his current level is probably not even better than emmy martinez it's not to say he wasn't a good goalkeeper once but not for me um not for me don't want to see joe hart anywhere near this football club and there's a lot of players that we currently have that I don't want to see anywhere near this club anymore, let alone going and bringing another player who's passed his sell-by date, another player whose best years are way, way behind him um, and racking up that wage bill even further. So, no, not for me. Don't want to see Joe Hart anywhere near this football club. Let me know your thoughts in the comments section below as well. Uh, let's um, 
move on to the next topic of discussion, which is, of course, this man, Matteo Genduzzi. Now, we learned yesterday that he has escaped punishment uh, for that incident with Neil Mope at the weekend. Genduzzi and Mope had an exchange after Mope scored. And, um, you know, we we saw what happened. He grabbed him by the neck. He put an arm out to catch him as he was running past. I've heard people describe it as Matteo Genduzzi striking Neil Mope. Come on, that wasn't a strike, was it? A um, little bit OTT there in, in, in the way that's been reported. But something that I read yesterday, which I found really interesting, and I can't, I can't verify this. I can't say 100% that it is the truth, and I can't therefore uh you know say it with it with much confidence but there were reports that Matteo Genduzzi was marching around the pitch uh telling the Brighton players in particular Mope that they're shit um that they will never earn as much as he earns and that he and his teammates uh you know dwarf them in in terms of what they earn and what the Brighton boys earn which if true it's just fucking unacceptable. And it would tie up with what Neil Mope said about humility and the players not showing humility. Now, well, a player not showing humility. Now, I'm not taking it as gospel because it feels like paper talk for me. But equally, as I say that, I can imagine Matteo Genduzzi saying that, which is concerning because, you know, that is not on and that is the kind of attitude that I don't want to see at Arsenal Football Club. I do feel as though. Matteo Genduzzi has got a little bit carried away with himself, a little bit ahead of himself in terms of where he is as a player. I think he believes that he's a lot further along the progression line than he actually is. Um, that's probably a consequence of him being selected so often when perhaps he shouldn't have been. So, you know, I've got issues with Matteo Genduzzi, but, you know, again, I don't know for sure that he has said that. If he has said that, though, then that's not the kind of attitude I want to see at my football club, especially from someone who's yet to prove themselves um, as worthy of, of holding down a regular place in Arsenal's midfield. That's my opinion. I know a lot of people will disagree. We speak about them showing passion. We speak about Matteo Genduzzi showing some fight at the end. But in truth, where was the fight during the 90 minutes? And I said this during the last episode. It's all good coming out after the the, the winning goal and venting your frustrations and getting in people's faces after the final whistle. But up until that point, there was no fight from anybody in that Arsenal team. And that was the most disappointing thing. Um, let's look ahead to the game against Southampton, which comes up on, on Thursday evening. It's a 6 p.m. kickoff live on Sky Sports. Uh, the two teams have met 41 times in the Premier League. Arsenal have won 22 of those. Southampton have won seven. And there have been 12 draws. Now, the last meeting between the two was at the Emirates Stadium in November. Um, and that was a 2-2 draw between the two sides. Uh, prior to that, we beat them uh, at the Emirates in February 2019 by two goals to nil. We lost in December 2018. Unai Emery was in charge that day. I remember um, one of those games where he made some really bizarre selections. I think we only had one fit centre-half and he decided to play three centre-halves that day. One of the days that I really lost my rag with Unai Emery. Um, but they're a difficult team to play against. And Ralph Hasenhutl has got them playing really, really well. He signed a new contract recently, which is a huge boost. They look as though they're clear of relegation trouble. And they're a team developing all the time. And they're a team with some really, really useful players. It's worth noting that they've had their own dramas going on behind the scenes. Um, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, who, of course, was the captain, has been stripped of the captaincy. And it's been passed on to James Ward-Prowse because 
at Hoiberg had, had made it public that he does eventually want to move on from Southampton. So, um, you know, it, it it's fair to say that they've had their own issues going on behind the scenes as well. But I don't think the magnitude of that is anywhere near the troubles that we've had. And given we're going away from home and given what I've seen of them since the restart, uh, their game against Norwich, where they look really, really good, I think we're going to have some trouble. I think we're going to have some problems. I think, you know, it's going to be another difficult game. Another, you know, I know people talk about the home advantage being a little bit diluted with this new way we're playing football in, in empty stadiums, etc. I still think there is a home advantage, though. Um, and I think that Southampton are going to be a really, really testing opponent. Let me um, share with you guys uh, the team that I would line up um, with to go to Southampton. Well, I'll give you a chance to put your questions in the comments section before we come over to those. Um, I'll just share uh, the screen with you for those of you watching on YouTube. If you're listening via the audio, don't worry. I'm going to go through it as well. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, this is, I guess, um, the Arsenal team that I am going to, uh, that I am going to go with. And I'm just going to just make those numbers disappear because, uh, as you can see, I'm trying to zoom it in for you all to see, and it's not, uh, it's not great. This, uh, this page, I must find a better one, but there we go. Uh, so of course there is no burned Leno to play in goal. Therefore, uh, it's going to have to be, isn't it? Uh, Emmy Martinez in between the sticks for the Gunners on uh, Thursday. Uh, right back, Hector Bayerin will play for me. Um, at left back, I'd probably bring Kieran Tierney back in the side. I didn't think Sir Kalasinac was great at Brighton. Um, Tierney had his rest. Bring him back in. Um, centre back, I don't think we have much choice at the moment. It's going to be uh, Rob Holding and uh, Shkodran Mustafi. In the middle of the park, uh, Again, we, we don't have much choice, do we? It's going to be Genduzi and it's probably going to be Danny Ceballos, but, which I don't think the pair worked particularly well at the weekend. I've got to be honest. Um, you know, there's an argument that maybe Ainsley and Niles should get a crack in there. Maybe. Um, it would be an opportunity for him to prove himself in that position. He's been banging on about the need to do so. Um, so, yeah, why not? Uh, why not give Ainsley Maitland-Niles a chance in there. But in terms of what I think Mikel Arteta is going to do and, and what I would probably do on the balance of things as the pairing I would go for. Um, in the number 10 role, I'd bring this man back into the side. A lot of people are going to disagree, but Mesut Ozil would come back in there for me. Nicolas Pepe on the right, following on from that brilliant goal he scored at Brighton. Although his overall performance wasn't great on the day, I think uh, you know he's done enough to, to hold his place down. I'd play Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang through the centre. Um, and I'd bring Gabriel Martinelli in on the left-hand side. Now, it's been a lot of talk lately about Martinelli and what has happened um, to him and why he's been left out of the team. And he was being left out of the team prior to the lockdown, actually, um, by Mikel Arteta. But we've heard a lot of things about, you know, COVID-19 impacting the players. We had a, a negative positive. Is that is that what you call it? Um, when the test shows up wrong and that will have disrupted the preparations of some players. Um, you know, so it's interesting uh, to, to know the reasons why he's been, I guess, cast aside. But for me, he would come back into the side. I think he's a really, really talented player, very capable of making those runs similarly to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang coming in from that left-hand side into the half space and scoring goals from there. Um, a lot of people 
want to see Aubameyang play through the middle. I think I just about want to see Aubameyang play through the middle. But in terms of his outputs from the left, he does produce. He scored the same amount of goals from the left-hand side as he has through the middle with less appearances in that position. Um, I checked that stat out last night when I was on the same old Arsenal podcast to try uh, and make a point um, in the discussion we were having. And, and guys, do check out the latest episode of the same old Arsenal. It was a great chat. Um, Craig's back. Um, Lee Judges, myself, uh, Dan and Mark uh, were, were getting a, a little bit heated, just passionate, really, um, about the current issues at the football club. So that will be my team to face Southampton. Martinez in goal, back four, Bellerin, Mustafi, holding Tierney, Ganduzi Ceballos in the midfield pivot with Mesa Ozil ahead of them, Pepe on the right, Martinelli on the left, and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang through the middle. Um, that gives you options of Lacazette from the bench, uh, Reese Nelson, uh, Kolasinac can come in at left-back if need be, Ainsley Maitland-Niles in the midfield. Um, so there are some options for Arsenal. The, the thing is, given the way that you know, football has come back and, and the poor performances. I understand that fitness levels are all over the place at the moment. It makes it really difficult to pick a team and to predict the team, actually. Um, but that's what I would go with if I were in charge. Um, so, yeah, let me know what you think about that in the uh, comments section. I'd be interested to hear your views on that as well. Um, that brings us towards the end of, of this episode. Let's go over to the live chat and see... Uh, what you guys have to say. Um, Inter Yanan says, uh, Harry, I think this club is honestly going to be a replica of Leeds United. I won't go that far, mate. I don't think we're at that point where we're fearing relegation and, you know, all that stuff. So I'm not happy with the way things are going. But in terms of uh, in terms of the comparison to Leeds United, I think that's a little bit premature. Um, but thank you, my friend, for your comment. Uh, Graham Sutherland, loyal listener, says, it is an incident. Harry Joe Hart is another David Lewis referring to my comment at the start when I went to say uh, something else. And I said, uh, Joe Hart is an incident. Yeah, I think you're right, mate. I agree with you on that. Don't want to see him anywhere near this club. Um, in terms of the Joe Hart links, Omar says, Joe Hart, is that what we've become? Cal Koulibaly says, Cronky out. Um, let's see what else we've got. Um terms of looking ahead to the Southampton game, Graham says there is no logic that says anything other than a 2-0 or 3-0 loss. Follow that up with a defeat to Sheffield United on Sunday and we can get the car started for Arteta. I'm not of that same viewpoint in regards to Mikel Arteta yet. I, I, you know, I'm willing to give him time, willing to give him a chance because I think that in many ways he's inherited an even worse bloody team than the one that Arsene Wenger left for Unai Emery. Um, because in my opinion, Unai Emery took us further backwards. So I'm going to be a little bit more patient with Mikel Arteta. I think there are so many issues going on behind the scenes that it's impossible to point the fingers solely at him. And I, I can't get on board with the, he's not good enough. I appreciate the concerns um, that he is a, a young manager. He's a, in many ways a novice learning on the job. I appreciate that. And um, <coughs> apologies, bless me, hay fever. Um, and I'm on board with those, uh, you know, those concerns. I understand why people have those concerns. I expressed those concerns before he got the job. And I said that I'd have preferred Carlo Ancelotti. And I still think that somebody like Carlo Ancelotti would have been better equipped to deal with a situation 
like the one we have at the football club at the moment. Uh, but that's not the route the club decided to go down. And I've got to back that, at least for now. Um, let's see what else we've got. Um, I am the one and only. Arteta is the new Shearer. How many losses is OK, Harry? Um, comparing Mikel Arteta to uh, Alan Shearer during his time at Newcastle United. I think they're very different situations. Uh, you know, Arsenal are not in danger of getting relegated this season. Come on, let's be realistic. We've got 40 points. Um, you know, can you see those in the bottom three picking up more than sort of 13, 14 points over the, the coming weeks? No, I can't. Um, not all three of them anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think relegation is an issue. I think that there have been losses. Um, well, they've been two losses since the start of the year. Both have come back to back after the restart. I think we all knew that the team were nowhere near where they needed to be. I think some people got carried away with the fact that we'd gone through that little period unbeaten. I think this is a stark reminder of where we actually are at and that we need to calm down and, and understand that this is a process that's going to take a bit of time. Um, I'm not calling for his head yet. I'm not comparing him to Alan Shearer, who I think was an absolute disaster, by the way, as a manager. But again, He's somebody that came in under really difficult circumstances and that shouldn't be overlooked. I just think, you know, why is everybody so outraged by the way we've returned when we all deep down knew where this team are at anyway? So I think we just need to calm down a little bit. For me, having seen us lose three key players now to injury and our Champions League hopes as such fade into the, into the night, I think we need to look at just getting through the rest of this season unscathed, using the time to have a look at players, to try and work, um, to try and work things out and, and plan ahead for next season. The FA Cup offers a glimmer of hope. Of course, we take on Sheffield United on Sunday at Bramall Lane in that. It's going to be a difficult game, but, you know, it is a difficult game, but of course, you would prefer to go to Bramwell Lane without the fans there. I went to Bramwell Lane in the Premier League game earlier this season and the atmosphere was incredible. Um, probably the best atmosphere I've experienced at a Premier League game in a, in, in a while. So, um, yeah, I mean, let's... Um, let's uh, what can we do? You know, I, I, I'm lost for words. I, I'm genuinely lost for words. And um, I, I don't really know what else to say about sort of the, the doom and gloom around the football club at the moment. I think, like I keep saying, we all knew where we were at. Why is anybody surprised? doesn't mean we should accept it. it we should be voicing our concerns about it. We should be um, making our feelings known. But there's a way of going about it. And I said this on the same old Arsenal last night because uh, people were talking about the mentality at the football club and, and talking about being losers, being ingrained in the football club. And I want to make this point again. The mentality is not ingrained in the football club. The mentality is ingrained in the people that currently represent the football club. We can't keep looking back at old examples. We can't keep holding current players accountable for failures in years gone by. Um, it should be a fresh slate for those players. Yes, as fans, we won't forget those things and we shouldn't forget those things. But, you know, when we're looking back at examples of, of embarrassing defeats that we've suffered in the past and then you look at today's squad and not a single player... Uh, that we currently have was involved in those games. How can you, how can you hold them accountable for it? You can't. You have to be uh, fair. You have to be um, understanding that players cannot influence history. 
they can only fix uh, the future. And I just think the doom and gloom and the reactionary nature of our fan base that comes around all the time is just, for me, it's not helpful. And it is part of the bad culture at the football club. We can talk about the players. We can talk about the board. We can talk about the manager. We can talk about anybody you want. But as a fan base, I think we've got to be better as well. Um, you know, that's, there are people that support this club week in, week out. There are people that get frustrated by the club and you're absolutely fine to voice those frustrations and do it in a respectful way, as most of you do. But there are always those idiots that push it over the limit, that push it off the edge of the cliff, that overdo it, that are calling for Mikel Arteta to be sacked now. You know, so I, I just think when we talk about mentality around the club and we talk about the culture not being right, the culture includes the attitude of of the fans as well as it does anybody else um, within the club because we ultimately represent the club too. It is our uh, football club. Let's um, see what else uh, you've got to say as well. Uh, Sunny TV Arsenal says, morning, Harry, morning, mate. Uh, welcome to the stream. Um, Omar says, sadly, today marks the ninth anniversary of my dad's death. So this is a good way to cheer me up. Cheers, Harry. Omar, I'm really, really sorry to hear that, mate. And um, thoughts are with you and your family. Hope uh, you're coping today. And I'm um, glad we could do uh, something to cheer you up. And um, fingers crossed Arsenal cheer you up even further um, on Thursday night. Uh, Sonny says, Arsenal might not get relegated, but our midfield is performing worse than the likes of Aston Villa and Norwich. Fair comment. Um, they're certainly not performing at the moment. Um, what else have we got? Um, in regards to when we were speaking about, um, you know, maybe Carlo Ancelotti was the sensible option, a drum that I was beating at the time, actually. Um, you know, I, I was saying that. Um, that's not to say I don't support Mikel Arteta now, but if I had had my way, that's what I would have done. I would have got Carlo Ancelotti. And people have spoken about the Merseyside derby that took place on Sunday being a snooze fest, a ball fest, etc., etc. No, not not for me. I was commentating on that game um, for Total Football Analysis and I was so engrossed in the game, as you have to be when you're commentating, you know, you can't switch off and look at your phone for a couple of minutes. You can't go grab a drink if it's boring. You can't uh, engage in a conversation with someone else, you know, whilst it's on. So you do really focus on the game. And what I saw was a really impressive, solid defensive display from a well-drilled and committed Everton side. And there were some really outstanding performers in that side. Seamus Coleman in particular for me. I think Sky gave him the man of the match and it was fully deserved. But you could see when you've got players willing to work uh, like everybody in an Everton shirt was, in particular the forwards who were feeding off scraps, but making a nuisance of themselves at every opportunity, holding the ball up for those few seconds whenever they could to give their team a breather. You could see that as a collective unit, if you do it right, you can nullify teams like Liverpool, um, like Manchester City. You do need a bit of luck along the way. Um, but in the end, Everton were unlucky not to win it themselves, having gone so close right at the death. So, a sign of how a manager can close the gap in quality between two teams if he gets his tactics right. It's not a, a bashing of, of Mikel Arteta, though, because Carlo Ancelotti is one of the greatest managers of all time, in my opinion. His record speaks for himself. But I just would have felt a little bit more comfortable during these times of adversity if I knew that we had someone who'd seen it all, who'd done it all before, who'd won it all before, 
in the driving seat. Again, though, it's not to say I'm not backing Mikel Arteta, but it's just an observation and just my thoughts. Um, right. That brings us to the end of the stream. We've been going for about half an hour now. Big thanks to everybody who's tuned in. Um, the podcast will be available in audio format too. So if you're listening via that, uh, do leave us a review, share it, uh, you know, the drill by now. And we'll be back very, very soon with more. Let us know your thoughts on Joe Hart, Matteo Genduzzi and the team for Southampton in the comments. And we'll be back very, very soon with another edition. Until then, take care and thank you all once again.